0: Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the portuguesesoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 209, here we are approaching the middle of February, we've got Europa uh, league action taking place with three Portuguese clubs playing next week. I'll talk a little bit about that. We're entering into match day 21 of the Liga Betclick as well as the second division. A lot of controversy this week with the postponed match and the police strike regarding Sporting Familiacong. Tasso de Portugal, three teams are set. Another one because of weather, Porto Santa Clara, was unable to be played. And of course, I'll give you my big four report and then ended with an update on my favorite team in Portugal in the districts, which I'm glad to report had a big win this week. And then of course, I'll end it with my mailbag. So welcome everyone to episode 209. Let me start like I always do. And that is talking about what was going on in Portugal right around this time last year. So we're talking middle of February last year, uh, 2023. And last year at this time, Benfica, was playing their round of 16 against Club Bruges of Belgium, and Benfica won the first leg, 2-0, uh, penalty kick by João Mario, and a goal by David Neres, uh, put Benfica in pole position with the second leg, uh, which eventually they did take care of in Estadio de Luz to enable Benfica to reach eventually the quarterfinals. But this was the first leg, and a very, very good positive uh, result of for of Benfica. Uh, at this time as well, Sporting was getting ready to play their European uh, Europa match, a uh, first leg against a club from Denmark. And at this time of the year, of course, Sporting was struggling. And Ruben Amorim's big quote was, winning the Liga Europa wasn't going to really uh, basically salvage their season. And that was the expectation that people had last year about the club because it had been such a pretty much a very rough year uh, for sporting um, so much that he even came out and said, yeah, winning Europa League isn't going to really save our season. And Braga was also getting ready to play Fiorentina. And if I recall correctly last year in that leg in Braga, I believe Arthur Cabral, who at the time was playing for Fiorentina, did score a goal that helped beat uh, Braga in the uh, first uh, leg. Um, and that was 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 uh, going on. And let me look at the uh, things here. Also, last year, Otavio. Of course, we're talking year ago. Te was still with Porto. He was dealing with some injuries. And they were hoping to get him back in time uh, to get ready to play Milan in the uh, Champions League. And let me just tell you that last year at this time in the Liga, match day 21, Benfica was in first with 56 points. Porto in second with 51. Braga in third with 49. They were eight points ahead of fourth-place Sporting, who had 41 points. What a change between this year and last year for sporting. Last year at this time, they were in fourth place, eight points back of third place Braga. That's how rough it was for sporting last year. And that was what was going on in Portugal uh, a year ago today. Um, before I start reviewing uh, the match day this weekend and the first the second division and everything else that I, I usually do every week, I want to just to start by talking about what happened this weekend in Familiar Cong with sporting and the match being postponed because when everything was happening on Saturday and all the information we have on Saturday night, there was a lot of information out there that eventually got cleared up, but there was a lot of frustrations by Sporting fans. And I got to give Sporting uh, President Federico Freder- Verandes a lot of credit. Because he came out and said something that usually Portuguese leaders in football and soccer don't do. But let me just start off at the beginning, because I'm not too entirely sure that everybody that follows Portuguese football, and I say only Portuguese football, maybe don't follow mainstream politics, mainstream business, mainstream news, probably couldn't even tell you who the biggest business is in Portugal. Let me give you a little bit of history of what happened on Saturday in Família Kong. Let me start from the beginning. This protest by the police was not brand new. The protest by the police has been going on for about three weeks in Portugal. We're now entering close to a month. What happened is, is the government in Portugal, the outgoing government in Portugal, and I say outgoing because there's going to be new elections in March, there was uh, some issues, some scandal, and they have to call new elections, and as a result in March, uh, there's going to be a new government. But the outgoing one now basically gave a wage increase to the judicial police. It's one of the branches of police in Portugal, one of the divisions. The other divisions, the, the the state, the federal, you know, PSP, they didn't get anything. And they were very disappointed and were like, hey, what's going on here? Why are they getting it and we're not getting it? We're also police and a lot of us are the ones that work the streets. What is going on here? As a result, it started off with a protest of one police it turned into a countrywide thing where a lot of police were basically protesting in the city halls, and I think I mentioned this last week. And then what happened was, is a decision I guess was made. A bunch of uh, police, I think thirteen or fifteen police that were scheduled to work inside the stadium, basically called in sick. They went to go get a doctor's note, and of course, as we all know, if you were last Saturday about ninety minutes before the game. Um, there was reports that there weren't going to be enough security uh, to handle the game. And that's what happened. They delayed the game. And then eventually what happened, because there wasn't a lot of police in the area, the supporters of both clubs started to clash. Eventually, riot police came, and it became a very ugly situation. Now, There was, from what I understand, police that did show up to try to fill it in so the match could be played. But because of what happened outside the stadium, and remember, you had thousands of people outside the stadium, several thousand. And that is not, you know, Famalicão is not a stadium like Sporting Benfico Oporto or even a Guimarães Braga. But there were a lot of fans outside waiting to get in, and all they were doing was just sitting there outside waiting, and it, it attracted a lot of problems. So a decision was made by the president of Sporting and Famalicão to postpone the match. The conditions, the safety outside the stadium wasn't being met. They decide to postpone the match. There was a report then an hour later before Porto played their match that the Porto match might also be affected by a lack of security but that did not happen. That match went on as scheduled. This upset a lot of sporty fans and as you would expect in Portugal a lot of people started looking at a conspiracy theory to this which by the way I'll tell you about in a minute that Verandas denied. Um, and as a result a lot of people were upset because Sporting has the busy calendar with the Taça de Portugal. They're still in the Europa League. They've got their regular schedule in the Liga. And the reports are that Sporting probably wouldn't have a, an available week to play this match. They'll probably match day 30 in May. So this became a very big thing. A lot of Sporting fans were upset about it. A lot of people thought that this was just basically the system working against Sporting. And then what happened the next day is two matches in the second division were also postponed because of lack of security. And I believe also from what I've been told, some events in Portugal and some lower leagues were also affected and weren't able to be played because of a lack of police. This police protest had been going on for a few weeks, but it took a lot of people by surprise that it happened at a a football soccer match. And then what happened during the week is there were a lot of people that were upset because a lot of people were wondering, was the Benfica game going to be played on uh, Sunday? Was the Tasso do Portugal matches going to be affected during the week? And as we know, not in the case of Porto because of the weather in the Azores, those matches went on. That is the real story about this. The strike with the police had been going on for a long time. It's just that it took it to the level that it affected a domestic soccer match. And i got to give Federico Verandes a lot of credit. A lot of people don't know Federico Verandes is a doctor. During COVID, he was called into the military to be a doctor. And he was doing that. And um, he is somebody that, you know, with I guess some military background. He knows a lot of people and he probably knows a lot of police. And he came out in an interview the other day. And I give him a lot of credit because you don't see this. Usually clubs will follow the mood of the fans if the fans are all unhappy they'll criticize what they got to criticize. If the fans are happy, they're gonna promote all the positives of the club, look at uh, Goya Koresh right now with Sporting, how people can't get enough of him. But he came out and he said something that very rarely you see a Portuguese leader say. He came out and he said, look, there is no conspiracy theory, nothing happened here. You know What happened was is Sporting was the first of the big three to play. That was the match that was affected the people with the strike made their point loud and clear because they got a lot of attention. I mean, a lot of again, people in Portugal knew this was going on. Whether or not your average fan outside of Portugal that doesn't follow anything Portuguese outside of the Liga, they probably didn't know what was going on. But the point was, according to Verandas, is that it was the first match among the big three, and that's why they were affected. He came out. He said there is no conspiracy theory, and he also set the sporting fans' look. We want to get back to first place okay we want to get back to first place with even having a match still left to play and he said it out there and he said all the right things i think he was being a little respectful to the police probably knows a lot of them because at the end of the day the police are just trying to better their situation what they feel is very unfair that one set of police were getting this wage increase from as i understand it And the others didn't. It's like, what's going on here? I mean, imagine being at a job and you're doing the same work as another group of people and they get the raise, but you don't or your group doesn't. You'd be sitting there like, well, what's going on here? What's what's the difference? And that's what happened. Now, so I gave Franus a lot of credit for coming out and being honest, not pouring gasoline on the fire to make this worse. And that's that sporting is going to do what they have to do, and that is Take every game one at a time, win, and accept the challenges even though it's going to be difficult to get this match played. Because generally in the Liga, you need to replay a match, I think sometimes within like two to three weeks. And I only know this because we've had matches when Nacional and Maritimo were in the first division. There would always be fog. Remember fog issues? Games had to be postponed or pitch issues with the weather. Or sometimes teams couldn't even fly in to Madeira, because the island, you know, it's very famous for being very windy, Cristiano Ronaldo Airport. It's one of the most difficult places, Uh, and if you're a pilot, you know what I'm talking about. To fly into Madeira, you have to be specially trained. There's always been challenges, and that's how I know you always had to make up your match, but here it's a little bit more difficult for sporting, so that really is the story about this. Um, There's concern that this might uh, threaten Europa matches, but I don't think that's going to happen because that would work public opinion against the police, in my opinion, but that's what happened. And I give Frederico this a lot of credit for coming out, being honest, because a lot of sporting fans were citing conspiracy theories and he wanted to get out there in front and say like, there's no conspiracy theory here. We were the first of the big three to play. We were the example. They made their point, move on. And I give him a lot of credit because generally clubs um, would not be that honest and would follow public opinion with regard to their clubs. So it's a very unfortunate situation for Sporting that they've been put in this position. Um, And then to make, I guess, matters worse, um, you know, when you talk about conspiracy theories is Ebola. I thought this to be um, very, very interesting. Ebola, after Benfica beat Gilles Vicente at home Sunday 3-0 uh, Benfica beating sent 3-0. That meant Benfica went back on top on first place. And Ebola's headline is, who is the king now? And that infuriated a lot of sporting fans. But I got to tell you something about Ebola. You know, everybody knows in Portugal, Porto is jogo. Sporting is generally... A lot of people are comfortable with record news about sporting. And when it comes to Ebola, a lot of people say it's Benfica. Actually, I don't say it's Benfica. A lot of people say it is uh, Benfica. And this is a headline that I think for me I just want to say very quickly, you know, Abola is owned I think by a new Swiss group. They have changed a lot of things with the Abola group. Um, but this headline is the type of headline that makes people say, yeah, this is why this newspaper is against like sporting. This way, through. Abola has had some awesome covers lately, especially when they had the Boston Celtics Portuguese player on it. They even had one of the ones where I think it was handball they are usually the one with a great reputation for covers but this one just feeds into the conspiracy theories and i just thought they did a bad job so let me just say that uh, very very quickly but let's get going of course we're getting to match day 21 of the liga everything gets going on friday with astrula madura Portimonense. we then have three matches on saturday uh we have three matches on sunday and that is where of course the big match this weekend will be sporting and against Braga, Braga, any hope they have of trying to be in the top three, they absolutely need the three points. They're in a battle for fourth place right now with Vitoria guimaraes But if they have any hope to try to get into the top three, they've got to win this. Sporting, again, back to the Liga after last week's postponements. They need to win. to continue to stay near the top. And this is also, by the way, a great, great match. I usually say that Vitoria, when they bring one of the big three at home, it's a great match. But because Vitoria has been playing, I think their 39 points is something like the best in 30 years. Very dangerous match for Benfica to have to go up to Guimanej to take on Vitoria Gimanaj And that's the Sunday night match. So Sporting Braga, Vitoria Guimanej, Benfica, two fantastic matches on Sunday. And then you have Arroca will be playing Porto on Monday night. Porto will enjoy that uh, the fact that they'll be playing on Monday because, of course, they had their de Portugal ma- uh, match uh, postponed, which I'll talk about here in a minute. And then while well, do have a Tuesday match, and that's Gil Vicente taking on Vizela. And that is your match day uh, 21 action. And again, we know the story. Benfica in first, 51 points, Sporting in second with 49, but they still have one match to play. Porto in third place with 45 points, suffering the nil-nil draw last week. And then Braga in fourth with 40, and Vittoria Guimarães in fifth with 39. And uh, again, great battle for fourth uh, place. Uh, moving on here to the second division report. We had some interesting results last week. I have to kind of share with you. Um, last week in the second division, first off, Turient, my favorite club in the second division, beat second place AVS at home, 2-1. to one. We saw Maritimo with a big 3-1 win against Benfica B. That helps out their hopes. But Santa Clara, first place, played to a 1-1 result with Vila Verdez. Very disappointing result for Santa Clara, dropping those points at home. And right now in the second division, Santa Clara is basically in first with 43 points, still leading. AVS is in second with 40 Nacional jumps back into the fray in third place with 37. They are in the hunt. And Maritimo pick up some ground this weekend. Maritimo with 34 points in fourth place. Turiens still in the hunt with Tundela tied at 30 points. And one news, by the way, about Vila uh the team from Vila Verde up in my uh, home part of the, uh, the country in Portugal. Um, Vila Verdans basically has been docked one point, means they lost one point because they have been behind. paying their uh, salaries (coughs) so because they have not paid their salary they're being docked one point and it's been a good run for um, Vila Verdans they've uh, won two and drawn uh, so three positive results in their last four and now they basically find themselves losing a point the good news is they're not in last place anymore Bill and now has that uh, unfortunate distinction uh, Bilinensis, of course, we all know the story, worked their way up from the districts. This is the original Bilinensis. They suffered a 1-1 draw last week. So not a very good result for Bilinensis. But of Verdez has been showing uh, some signs of life and really deserve um, they deserve a little bit of respect, even though they did lose. So uh, so basically, uh, not a good week for them losing a point, but they're in the hunt. Uh, everything gets going on Friday with Oli against Turiens. You got three matches on saturday you got th- four matches on sunday and you got one on monday uh when i look at this in my opinion uh, the best match uh this weekend um i'm gonna go with uh, santa clara in first place taking on fade ants from santa de media the fader and i'm saying this because santa clara is uh, had a few disappointing results and this is they're going to be really tested this weekend avs We'll be at home against Leiria, which uh, just lost uh, 3-0 in the Tasa de Portugal this week uh, to uh, sporting. So that is your second division report. Women's football... Uh, Benfica continue to lead women's football with 34 points. Of course, Benfica women have qualified for the first time ever, a Portuguese club, to the quarterfinals of the Women's uh, Champions League. Uh, they have 34 points, Sporting at second with 30, Braga in third with 25. So Braga is already nine points off the pace of Benfica. It's coming down to the what most people usually expect, Benfica and uh, Sporting. Uh, this weekend, Benfica will be at home to Athletic Orient and Sporting will be making the trip to Racing Power FC. What a name! <laughs> but uh, that's what's going on in um, in Wombud's football uh, this weekend. Um, Tasa do Portugal. Um, obviously, we saw what happened in uh, the Azores with the heavy rain and The unplayable pitch conditions that are basically forcing, um, uh, obviously, the match to be postponed. There's a talk that this match between Santa Clara and I believe it's going to begin in the 28th minute when they left off uh, is going to be played later this month. And what happens then, basically, is that will affect whoever wins this leg. Uh, They were supposed to be playing in the semis, and it looks like that semifinal will be pushed back uh, to later on in the season. And remember, the Portuguese Cup semifinals are two legs. Um, and uh, that's it. We, uh, we saw uh, Sporting beat Leiria uh, 3-0. We saw Vitoria Guimarães beat Gilles Vicente 3-1. And we saw Benfica win in a narrow decision going up to Vizela winning 2-1. So we're going to have a derby in the cup. semifinals, two legs between Benfica and Sporting. And Vitoria Guimarães having a fantastic season. Again, 39 points, their best in 30 years, battling Braga for fourth place. They are going to await the winner of Porto and Santa Clara for the Taça de Portugal semifinals. And again, in that match for rescheduling is expected uh, to take place uh, basically later this month. And let me just say it was great uh, to see some of these matches on RTP International because... Uh, again, these are not matches that are bought the way people buy the TV rights for the Liga domestically. But the Cup matches, it's really good to see RTP broadcasting uh, two of these games. I, I just thought that was uh, really terrific uh, this uh, week. Let me move on to player and manager abroad. Uh, Rui Vitória is out as manager of Egypt after their disappointment performance in the African uh, competition. Uh, they are out. Uh, we saw Vitor Pereira. Remember Vitor Pereira? He got a job in the Middle East. He's back managing. We saw Giovanni Cabral basically get signed at Olympiacos, joining all the other Portuguese players that are there. Um, but the reports are, and I haven't seen anything official official yet. <clears throat> a matter of fact, I'm going on my um, Twitter X, whatever they call it now. And um, But check this out. So they've signed six Portuguese players. Olympiacos. They signed Andre Horta, Gelsen Martins, David Carmo, Ruben Vesu, Chiquinho, and Giovanni Cabral. And they did this in January. They hired Carlos Carvial a little bit before that. And now in February, Carvial and the Portuguese sports director Pedro Alves leave the club. Wow. If you're a Portuguese player, I mean, you still get to play for a Greek club. But now all of a sudden the people that brought you there and that you had a lot of confidence in is not there. That is not very good. Um, Been asked by some people what's going on with Jerome Felix. Last I heard, he continues to be injured. Um, That seems to be the real concern right now. But he's supposed to come back soon. And uh, whether or not he'll feature in the national team games coming up in March, uh, we don't know. Uh, but uh, very interesting. Uh, That is the latest report I've heard from uh, from Joan Felix. I get asked about him a lot. Uh, Paulo Fonseca, manager of Lille in France, uh, unbeaten in 2024. Check this out. 20 goals scored, zero conceded The Portuguese manager continues to do a great job in France. So really a lot of respect for him. Uh, The national team, uh, the song we knew about. They were going to be playing Sweden in March in Guimarães. They are then going to go play a match at Slovenia. Uh, Both of these matches will be during the international break uh, next month in March. But the other matches have been announced. Portugal will be playing in Portugal, Finland, Croatia, and they will finish off their warm-ups. Before they play their last match, uh, for, excuse me. Before they get ready for the Euro in Germany against Ireland, Croatia obviously very respectable team. Ireland, last time we played them, I think we drew nil nil in Ireland uh, de- during World Cup qualifying. One of the one of the last disappointing results from the Fernando Santos eras in World Cup qualifying, and obviously playing Sweden with Goya Koresh is only going to make uh, things very very interesting. Uh, but that's news that came out this week that we now know are five matches that we're going to play to warm up. Sweden, Slovenia, Finland, Croatia, and Ireland. I don't think it's that bad. I would like to have still seen a giant, but these are not bad competitions uh, to uh, test, um, to basically test it out. I don't think that this is that bad. Let me go to the uh, Big Four report. Let me start off first with uh, Benfica. <coughs> the news this week has been Rafa. Basically having his best season with 13 goals, the 11 assists, and 33 matches this season. Still no renewal. Obviously, like it happens in professional sports, when the player's in the final year of his contract and he's looking for that next big move. Players have been known to have career years, and that is certainly what is happening here with Rafa. Uh, but no renewal yet, and a lot of people are wondering. Uh, Arthur Cabral scored again in the cup win this week against Vizela. He continues to really step it up. And uh, him and Marcos Leonardo stepped up. That's going to be a lot of good news for Benfica. Porto, uh, well, it happened again. Andres Villas boas was going to be announcing his CFO. Obviously, we know what's going on. He's going to be running for re-election against Pinto da Costa, who last week did announce he was going to run for re-election. And it was uh, attended by something like, I think, did I read? 5,000 people in the Porto Coliseum. Uh, Sergio Conceição was there, gave him, they had a very special moment together and they hugged. Uh, Pinto Costa was uh, in tears, <clears throat> but that's thrown a lot of criticism for Conceição. But Andres Villas-Boas was, was going to have an event where he was going to announce the CFO as of his campaign, his uh, chief financial officer. And there's reports that apparently someone was trying to literally cut the internet connection to his headquarters. Um, That is a report that I saw in the Portuguese newspaper. And Varela has been playing very well for Porto. He's apparently getting interest for the Argentina national team back in his home. And again, players come to Portugal to play, to use it as a jumping ground to a bigger club in Europe. It's also an opportunity as well to get looked at by your national team. Uh, Ruben Amorim came out this week devalued, played down the fact that they didn't play this past weekend against Familia Gong. He went very heavy on the training sessions this weekend after the postponement but of course on the brace uh, by Goya Koresh and, po- and Pote's goal they beat Lady on the Portuguese Cup easily 3-0. Uh, Amorim when it was asked because I think uh, Goya Koresh has got something like 26 goals now that means they owe Coventry a million with one of the objectives being met. And uh had a very interesting comment. He said, Yeah, that's still very cheap. That you know, the more he scores, the cheaper we look at him because that's just how much value he brings. And Diomond continues without playing for his country at the African Cup of Nations, and that is starting to worry people. And last thing here, Braga Abel Ruiz continues, had a very big week for Braga, helping them in their win. And the commitment that this club made to him, signing him, is continuing uh, to pay off. Before I get going with the last two parts, just a reminder, if you want to email me, complain about anything, please send an email to psoccercom at gmail.com, at gmail.com. I'm going to be reading uh, two comments tonight from readers. And uh, obviously, you could also follow PortugueseSoccer.com on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Podcast Attic, Google Podcast. Um, It's also, I put up the audio as well on YouTube, and I've had a lot of people commenting on that as well. It's sending me a DM, so, um, you know, through the social media. So thank you uh, very much. Now, and again, you don't agree with something I said, you need to correct something I said. Go ahead, I don't mind you doing that at all. My favorite club in Portugal, uh, we had been uh, we had two straight draws. Well, I'm very happy to report that last week we took care of business with a very convincing six-nil win in the Arcos de Valvis derby against Tavara. and that uh, but that enables us to end a streak of two draws. We still continue to lead first place, although it was seven po- seven points about a month ago. It's down to three points now, but we did manage to still stay ahead with the 6-0 win against Davida. but Munsong also recorded a win at a very difficult 6th place Cerveda. and Munsong won 2-0, uh, and as a result, we are still continue to lead 1st place again. This is my favorite team, this is my parents' hometown team, they're in the 5th tier. My dream is to see if they can work their way up as high as the 2nd division, I think that's financially the best they can do for the size of the club, but... That's my dream, and that's what I've decided to pick. There is no uh, Liga football this weekend with the districts. There is a l- regional cup competition. And this weekend, Athletic Luz Arcus will be playing our dreaded rivals, Punta Barca, in a cup competition, single elimination. It doesn't matter that Punta Barca is not doing very well in, in the Liga. What matters now is this is a brand-new competition, and we have to be very careful— Athletic uh, will be going across the only thing famous about Punta Barca, their bridge, to play Punta Barca in this, uh, I believe it's the round of 16, if I recall, uh, match of the regional uh, cup uh, competition. Let's end it here with the mailbag, and I've got a mailbag here from Dan. Um, thank you, Dan. Uh, thank you for another excellent episode. You have said it before a number of times on your podcast about Braga needing to learn to be a big club. Each time I have watched them play, I think of those words. I congratulate them on winning the TASA, the League of the League Cup. However, to follow that up with a 1-1 draw at home to Shabs after leading 1-0 just highlights how correct you are. Braga may have been tired, but they also seem complacent with the trophy in a way that Sporting Benfica and Porto would not have been. I'm a neutral fan of Portuguese football, and despite not expecting Braga to win the title, I had hoped they could have gone deeper into the season and put some pressure on the big three. Do you think that Guimarães could take fourth place off Braga this season? All the best, Dan. Dan, thank you so much for your comments. Yes, I do think so. Um, I, I see them in the next few match days putting on pressure, but Braga has a lot more talent. And I think Guimarães, you know, they're having some financial difficulties. They do have great players like Jota Silva. They do have great players like Andre Silva. But I guess to me, even though Alvaro Pacheco is pressing all the right buttons and doing a great job as manager, they don't have the same talent as Braga. I mean, Braga right now is worried about the Liga. They're worried about the Europa League. They really want to make a run in it, try to get to the semifinals, and, you know, that'll distract them a little bit. But Braga has a lot more talent than Guimarães, and, and they are financially more stable But Guy like I said, has a bigger fan base. You start getting into March and April, and they're in this battle for fourth place. The fans will show up close to 30,000, which is a fantastic crowd for a non-Big 3 match. And if that happens, I think that's going to motivate these players because motivation sometimes is half of what you need to win and pull off an upset. I would say, yes, they can, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard because even though Braga disappoints and they're still learning how to be a big club, They are very good at being a third and fourth place club. And that's something that Guimarães is trying to do. But we'll see. Braga has been very disappointing. Again, coming off of the League Cup and drawing 1-1 at home to last place Chaves. That is just a very big disappointment. So I still think Braga will finish in fourth no matter what. But you know what? Let's see what happens with Guimarães. Let's see if the crowds get bigger. And let's see if these players are one or two points away toward the end of the season. I can see Braga players maybe feeling the heat. But right now, I just think Braga has too much talent. Uh, last thing here before I ended is from Antonio <coughs> João, I just want to say that I've been following Your podcast ever since you started I've also been following PortugueseSoccer.com back in the days when you used to do A lot of stuff on it back in the early um, 2000s Yes it would be 2000 I started in 1997 uh, Thank you for all the time You have uh, put in um, I really appreciate it as someone Who maybe doesn't know the language that great What's your greatest memory about doing uh, PortugueseSoccer.com Antonio, thank you from Montreal. Um, my best memory about this, or let's just say the the thing that I like the best about it, is I get a lot of emails from people that say what you say, that they grew up following uh, PortugueseSoccer.com, and look, I have people, I have my naysayers because people just live in this culture where they refuse to believe someone's objective, and, and I don't expect you to believe that. You know, I get it, Stop being. but I have a passion for this. I think this is a great league. I think that it has its problems, but I think at the end of the day, it's our league, it belongs to us in Portugal, and I enjoy it. And I like it whenever I get an email like you, that you send it to me. I get it all the times from fathers that told their kids about it and their kids grew up following it, and now they're sporting Perfica Porto fans. When they come to Portugal, they go out of their way. I've had more and more people tell me they go see matches in the fourth division in the districts because I talk about it a lot. That stuff means a lot to me. There are a lot of people in Portugal that don't care about this stuff. They probably have never heard of it, and that's fine. But when I get those emails, especially from you know somebody like you, that makes it all the worthwhile for me. So thank you so much, Antonio. Folks, that's going to wrap up episode 209 of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. As always, please take care of yourselves. Please take care of your families. And I'll talk to you soon. Ciao, everybody. See you next week.